Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, and the dancing cream-filled donut next to me is Ellen. Dancing cream. Young and sweet, only 1,700 calories. <laughs> <laughs> Because we ate a lot of donuts. We did eat a lot of fucking donuts. This donut place near me, it's called Brunuts. And they actually make donuts with beer. Yes. And serve them with beer as well. But they had a Harry Potter weekend this weekend. So we went and got sorting hat donuts. To, yes. It was up on our Instagram if you want to go find it. But um, <laughs> like these donuts were as big as our head they're they're fucking huge they're and giant ass donuts. they actually sorted us incorrectly because i'm a gryffindor and ended up with a raven claw and i am a slytherin and ended up with a hufflepuff though they did get our, our like secondary houses kind of yeah, ish correct, yeah so to speak but yeah it was a lot of donut and we've been recording <laughs> it was so much sugar it was so much sugar so this has kind of been like a sugar high for us yeah <laughs> And we apologize now. We're going to try and keep it together for this episode, though. We're probably not going to. We're going to try, so <laughs> let's just keep rolling. The magic of editing. Yeah. In our last episode, we compared Chapter 12 of Sorcerer's Stone, The Mirror of Erised, with the corresponding film scenes. We saw Christmas at Hogwarts in all its festive glory, bringing us ghostly carolers, giant trees decorated with baubles and awesomeness, Weasley sweaters, and what can only be described as an incredibly inappropriate gift for an 11-year-old with a hero complex and impulse control issues in the form of an invisibility cloak. Hermione encourages rule-breaking, which leads Harry and Ron to wonder if she is a pod person. Malfoy is a douchebag, which leads Harry and Ron to wish he was a pod person. Snape gets in Quirrell's face, but unlike us, Quirrell doesn't seem to enjoy being pushed up against a wall by Alan Rickman. And the Mirror of Erised threatens to drown Harry in memories he wished he had, but Dumbledore pulls him back, reminding him that it is better to live in what it is rather than what was or could have been. Also, apparently Dumbledore has poor circulation. Yeah, get the man some socks. Stop buying him books. <laughs> During episode 12, Ermacurd, Professor Dumbledore, <laughs> our Potter pondering was... What would you see in the mirror of Erised? Oliver Wood. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, just let me get this clear. You like Oliver Wood. Who? Oh, Oliver Wood. That's what I said. Yeah, let's just keep on rolling. This was a deeper Potter pondering than our usual questions, and we are truly, genuinely touched with the number of people that opened up and shared their deepest desires with us. We did have some people share humorous reflections, such as their desire for lots of food. <laughs> right. There was a large number of people who desired some form of a spicy chip. Now, this <laughs> might just be that I'm hungry right now and my stomach's talking, but I'm not entirely sure I can blame them there. I can, but I mean, I don't like spicy food. Lame sauce. Sorry I'm not an adventurous Gryffindor eater. Mm -hmm. You're forgiven. Yay. 
There was also a delightful number of people that said they would see themselves essentially buried in puppies. Again, I wouldn't be a fan of that, but that's because it would kill me. Oh, so maybe that means that my deepest desire would be healthy lungs. You know, healthy lungs and Oliver Wood. <laughs> a puppy pile with all of her wood. <laughs> Homer Simpson drool. Mmm, Oliver Wood. Ah. Do you need a minute? No, I'm good. Our collective response, though, was that we, Ellen and I, would see ourselves holding press passes at LeakyCon in Orlando, because that means our Keeper family is continuing to grow, and that this isn't just all one big crazy-ass fever dream. Right? (laughs) But, funny responses aside... This Potter pondering reminded us just how deep our desires can be. So many responses were parallel to Harry's own reflection in the Mirror of Erised, with deepest desires manifesting as the return of lost loved ones, families of their own, and delivery from personal pain and suffering. So many said they would see themselves holding a lost child, or with a child that could not be. For those of you out there struggling, know that you are not alone and that you are loved. We know that Harry Potter can be a wonderful escape, and we hope you can find solace within the fandom. We see you, we love you, and you are enough. Thank you so much for opening up and sharing your deepest desires with us. Our hearts are full that you let us in. Our trivia question last week was, What curse does Malfoy use on Neville in Chapter 13 of Sorcerer's Stone? If you answered the Leglocker curse or Locomotor Mortis then you got it. In a shocking twist, this week's winner is Quincy. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. It's not that shocking. It's, this is actually his fourth no, week yes. in a row. And But this time, though, you know what is shocking? This time, he actually spelled out the code words as two words for me, because he loves me. He wanted to see you smile. He did, and I did smile. She and a lot. And he's the lucky recipient of 17 of my bonus points, which are worth more than Ellen's. So only there. in her mind. It's the only she place just wishes. It it's the only place it matters. I was a little bit worried at first because he did not answer it at 5 in the morning this time. It was a little no. bit later in the morning. But he was still the first one to get there. Come on, y'all, guys. He even gave, he gave you a head start, He did. He's, he overslept. So he was, <laughs> thought someone was going to get there before him, but... Nobody did. So, the Quincy. streak continues. Yep. Next week, is Quincy going to get five in a row? Or is somebody going to sweep in and take it from him? Well, let's just keep rolling into Chapter 13, Nicholas Flamel and the Corresponding Film Scenes. Chapter 13, Nicholas Flamel. Harry's talk with Dumbledore convinces him not to go looking for the Mirror of Erised. He puts the cloak in his trunk for the rest of the Christmas holidays and tries to forget what he saw in the mirror. Instead, he starts having nightmares about his parents disappearing in a flash of green light and a high laughing voice. Harry tells Ron about the dreams and Ron points out that Dumbledore was right and the mirror can drive you mad. Hermione returns from break and is both horrified that Harry was out of bed at night and disappointed that he still had not been able to figure out who Nicholas Flamel is. They are near giving up on the idea of finding Nicholas Flamel in a library book, even though Harry is sure he read the name somewhere. The term starts back up, and they spend every minute they can between classes skimming books. 
Harry does not have as much time as Ron and Hermione because Wood has them working really hard during Quidditch practices. If the Gryffindor team beat Hufflepuff, it would put them ahead of Slytherin for the first time in seven years. He also has fewer nightmares when practice has him completely worn out. During one of the practices, Wood tells the team that they have to stop messing around because Snape is going to be refereeing the match, and he will be looking for any excuse to take points away from Gryffindor. Everyone on the team is really upset and worried, but not as much as Harry, who heads straight back to the Gryffindor common room to find Ron and Hermione. The two are playing chess, which is the only thing Hermione ever loses at. Ron initially tells Harry not to say anything so he can concentrate, but then gets a good look at Harry's face and asks what's wrong. Harry tells them that Snape is going to be the referee for the Quidditch match, and they both encourage him not to play. Harry says that he has to or they will have to forfeit. Their conversation is interrupted by Neville falling into the common room. His legs had been stuck together by the leg locker curse. Everyone starts laughing except Hermione, who immediately performs the counter curse. Neville explains that Malfoy put the curse on him and Hermione tries to convince him to report him, but Neville says he doesn't want any more trouble. Ron says he's got to stand up to him, and Neville says there's no need to tell him he isn't brave enough to be in Gryffindor. Malfoy already told him that. Harry feels in the pocket of his robes and finds the last of the chocolate frogs Hermione had given him for Christmas. He gives the frog to Neville and tells him that he's worth 12 of Malfoy. The sorting hat chose him for Gryffindor. Neville thanks him, unwraps the frog, and offers the card to him. He then heads to bed, and Harry looks down at the chocolate frog card, finding Dumbledore again. He starts to say that he was the first card he ever got, but cuts himself off because he found Nicholas Flamel on the back of the card. He reads to Ron and Hermione that Dumbledore is known for his work on alchemy with his partner Nicholas Flamel. Hermione jumps up and runs up to the girls' dormitories. She returns with a large book and flicks through the pages until she finds a section that explains that Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Sorcerer's Stone, a stone that will turn any metal into pure gold and produces the elixir of life, which will make the drinker immortal. Hermione says that Fluffy must be guarding the Sorcerer's Stone, and Harry agrees, saying it's no wonder Snape is trying to steal it. Anyone would want it. The next morning, the trio is in defense against the Dark Arts, still discussing what they would do if they had a Sorcerer's Stone. Ron says he'd buy a Quidditch team, and Harry remembers his own upcoming match with Snape as a referee. He says he's going to play because he doesn't want the Slytherins to think he's just too scared to face Snape, and winning will really wipe the smiles off their faces. Despite saying this, Harry is very nervous. He noticed that Snape seems to pop up everywhere he goes, and that he is being extra horrible to him in potions class. Harry wonders if Snape has figured out that they know he's after the Sorcerer's Stone, but he doesn't see how he could. Though sometimes it seems like Snape can read minds. The next afternoon, just before the match, Ron and Hermione wish Harry luck, and he can tell that they are worrying they will never see him again. They had been practicing the leg locker curse with the intention of jinxing Snape if he tries to hurt Harry. In the locker room, Wood takes Harry aside and gives him an extra pep talk, encouraging him to catch the snitch quickly and finish the game before Snape can favor Hufflepuff too much. Fred looks out the door and sees that the whole school is out there, even Dumbledore. Harry is relieved because he knows that Snape will not be able to hurt him with Dumbledore watching. 
The match starts, and Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle are sitting behind Ron, Hermione, and Neville. Malfoy starts making fun of Harry, asking for bets on how long he will stay on his broom this time. As the game continues, Snape awards Hufflepuff a penalty shot for basically nothing, and Malfoy continues up his commentary mocking the Gryffindor team. When he tells Neville that he should be on the team because he has no brains, Neville tries to stand up for himself. Ron and Hermione are trying to focus on the game, but Malfoy keeps needling the subject and calls the Weasleys poor a couple too many times. Harry dives towards the ground and Malfoy tells Ron that he's in luck. Harry must have spotted some money. Ron snaps, attacking Malfoy, and Neville joins in to help. Hermione is completely oblivious to all of this, watching Harry as he flies past Snape and pulls out of his dive holding the snitch. No one could remember the snitch ever being caught so quickly, the game barely lasting five minutes. Harry is so proud of himself and feels even better when Dumbledore congratulates him. Snape seems pretty angry. After leaving the locker room, Harry is happily on his way to return his broom to the broom shed, but is distracted when he sees Snape sneaking down to the Forbidden Forest. He hops back on his broom and follows him, finding Snape and Quirrell having an argument about the Sorcerer's Stone. Snape wants to know if Quirrell has figured out how to get past the three-headed dog yet, and tells him that he doesn't want him as his enemy. Quirrell just stutters, and Snape says something about his hocus-pocus, then that they will talk again soon after he has a chance to decide where his loyalties lie. Snape stalks off, leaving behind a shocked Quirrell. Harry makes it back to the common room, finding Ron and Hermione, who wonders where he has been. Ron is rambling about winning, hitting Malfoy, and Neville getting knocked out, but Harry interrupts him to tell them what he overheard. The trio concludes that Snape is trying to force Quirrell to help him get the Sorcerer's Stone. Figuring that the stone is only safe if Quirrell stands up to Snape, they worry that it won't be long at all before Quirrell caves. In the movie, Harry is walking across the courtyard in the snow with his snowy owl on his arm. She takes off flying and the camera follows her into the sky and then transitions into a springtime scene of the castle. It then cuts to Harry and Ron sitting at a table in the library when Hermione walks up with a giant book that she had checked out of the library weeks ago for a bit of light reading telling them that she had them looking in the wrong spot. She drops the book down on the table with a loud thud and opens to a section, finding the name Nicholas Flamel. She reads that Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Sorcerer's Stone, to the general confusion of Harry and Ron, and goes on to read the explanation. The Sorcerer's Stone can turn any metal into pure gold and produce the elixir of life, making the drinker immortal. Hermione declares the Sorcerer's Stone to be what Fluffy is guarding underneath the trap door. I was a little worried you weren't going to make it through your summary. The one paragraph. Brutal. That was tough. There wasn't a lot to the movie scene since they decided to leave out the entire Hufflepuff-Gryffindor-Quidditch match, where Snape is the referee. Harry is completely nervous about this match because of Snape, and when he first finds out, he immediately goes to Ron and Hermione and they encourage him not to play. Yeah, Hermione tells him to pretend to break his leg and Ron says, no, really break your leg. (laughs) And this is also when the book mentions that Ron and Hermione are playing chess, and it's the only thing that Hermione ever loses at, which they think is good for her. I know, I love that. (laughs) Um, There's also a little comment in passing that is actually some awesome foreshadowing. When Harry thinks that sometimes it seems like Snape can read minds. Oh, yeah. 
We will talk about that more in a future episode. <laughs> like a much future episode when we get to the fifth book. Yeah. In a couple years. In a couple of years. <laughs> but Harry does experience some relief when he realizes that Dumbledore is attending the match. And he figures that Snape can't do anything with Dumbledore watching. Which is, which is interesting. I mean, because in the previous match, and the, uh, the only match that we see, um, the movie had Dumbledore present and Harry's broom was still cursed. So obviously he doesn't do that much. Yeah, I don't think the book ever specifically said that Dumbledore was not present at the first match. But since this chapter makes it a point to say that Harry was safe with Dumbledore watching, I'm going to nitpick at the fact that the movie had Dumbledore watching the Gryffindor-Slytherin match. Yeah, I suppose since the movie cuts all of this out, it's pretty much a moot point anyway. Hence why I was calling it nitpicking, just rantling a little bit. <laughs> um, this is also where, after the match, Harry's putting away his broom and sees Snape sneaking off to the forest... And he hops back on his broom to follow him, overhearing parts of the conversation with Quirrell about the Sorcerer's Stone. They did sort they, like they sort of showed us a version of this where um, we talked about it in the previous episode. Yeah. Um, when Harry hears Snape talking to Quirrell in the corridor near the um, where was it the library, um, right before he finds the mirror of Erised. Yeah, it basically gets the same point across though it is significantly more streamlined mm -hmm. this change just sort of changed the order of things and also meant that they had filch interrupting the conversation between Quirrell and snape um that we mentioned previously the mm -hmm. book had this conversation out in the forest so that it was truly private and the only person who knew about it was harry no filchus interruptus <laughs> filchus interruptus that sounds like an intestinal problem <laughs> I'm not entirely sure that Filch isn't an intestinal problem. <laughs> but <laughs> leaving out the Quidditch match also means we didn't get to see Ron give Nazi Von Douchebag the second a black eye or see Neville try to take Crabbe and Goyle single-handedly. Yeah, poor Neville. They cut so much from this chapter. But honestly, the thing that they left out that bugs me the most is the friggin' scene... That they actually filmed that was pure gold. And then they just deleted it. I know. WTF, WB. <laughs> Not only did it give a way clearer explanation to how they discovered Nicholas Flamel, it also stayed fairly true to the book. There were only a few differences. And this is probably one of the longest deleted scenes that's from the movie. So we're going to summarize this. Katie will read that for you. And mm -hmm. then we'll discuss it. So the scene opens on Hedwig flying into the Great Hall, where Harry and Hermione are studying and Ron is going through his chocolate frog cards. Hermione admonishes Ron for not studying and quizzes him when he says he doesn't need to. When he can't answer the question, he tells Hermione he'll just cheat off her if it comes up in the finals. But she says no, and that McGonagall says they're going to be given special anti-cheating quills. Ron is insulted at the lack of trust and irritated that he got yet another Dumbledore card. Neville comes hopping into the Great Hall. Harry and Ron realize that he has been hit with the leg locker curse, most likely cast by Malfoy. Seamus offers to do the counter curse, but Neville would rather not catch fire as well. Seamus is indignant and points out to everyone that his eyebrows have already grown back, but when he turns to leave the Great Hall, the large bald patch on the back of his head is clearly visible. At this moment, Harry finds a mention of Nicholas Flamel on the back of the Dumbledore card Ron had just thrown at him. As Ron reads aloud from the back of the card, describing Dumbledore's life, Hermione is suddenly reminded of something and gathers her books up, making a beeline for the door, telling Ron and Harry to follow her. 
The three take off and Neville is left behind, still in the leg locker curse, and falls to the ground while his fellow students laugh. I freaking love this deleted scene. It's fucking hilarious, man. They probably cut it because Hermione's hair actually looks halfway decently free for <laughs> once. Yeah. Yeah, and they can't have that. Heaven forbid. Right. But honestly, I don't understand why they cut it. Because the transition that did make it into the final film makes no damn sense whatsoever. <laughs> Hermione just all of a sudden knows she has them looking in the wrong place. But this is basically what happened in the book, this deleted scene, except they were in the Gryffindor common room in the book. And then Neville manages to bunny hop in and Hermione immediately performs the counter curse. Yeah, not like in the deleted scene where the trio of dicks just leave poor Neville there hopping around with his legs locked. Plus, Harry gives Neville the chocolate frog to cheer him up. They didn't just like, oh yeah, Neville has, that sucks for you, man. Like, yeah. But Neville eats the frog and thanks him and then offers the card to Harry because he's like, you collect them, right? Mm -hmm. But I honestly don't mind that they had Ron get the card. Yeah, right. His his indignation over the lack of trust for exams and then getting another Dumbledore card is amazing. Like, oh my god, Dumbledore card! Oh my god, Dumbledore card! Oh my god. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> We've been stuck on that one today. We have. Moving on, though. But, um... <laughs> Harry finding Nicholas Flamel's name on the card and linking it to alchemy is what tips Hermione off for which book to look in. And now we're actually in the movie where right. the scene picks up. It was just a long deleted scene. Yeah, it takes it took a lot out of it. But mm -hmm. but you know when it when it picks up though, did you notice when they're in the library and Emma throws the book on the table, she she like smashes Dan's hand. Like, he has to jump kind of back a little bit. I did not notice that until you pointed it out to me, because I was too busy wondering where the fuck the rest of the chapter was. <laughs> okay, maybe that was the only one that saw that then. No, <laughs> thankfully, the movie did make the joke about Hermione and her bit of light reading. This is light. <laughs> right. I love Ron. His, his little sarcastic comments were great. Right. Book and movie. Right. It doesn't matter. I mean, like, they were, oftentimes they were different. Mm -hmm. And they, I think the movie may have made him a little bit better at times. Sometimes, yes. Unfortunately, uh, when they would take away from him. Yeah. That obviously Give took away take. from him. Yeah. <laughs> the movie did omit the mention of Nicholas Flamel's wife, Paranel. Mm-hmm. And we also then lost the comment about him being 665 and not exactly recent. Yeah. Which I always found amusing. I always forget that line and I love it. But I wonder, though, if he ever actually made it to 666 and if wizards consider that number to be a bad thing. Because that seems like a weird number to use. Right. We will touch on that a little bit more later when we discuss the last chapter. But that is a really good question about that number because that tends to have more of a religious... Yeah connotation and religion and wizardry like witchcraft that's often at odds so i wonder uh, yeah how but sometimes that like but a lot of times one comes from the other right you know what i mean so i wonder how they feel about that number that, that'd be interesting we might have to make that a potter pondering right regardless um <laughs> we'll end up talking more about that and later, later on. on but <laughs> jinx yo me a coke <laughs> yo me a butterbeer <laughs> oh yeah i don't do the no talking thing okay. i can't i That's can't good, stick to that ever you gotta take over reading the rest of this yeah i'm good 
Today's my day off. What are you talking about? Let's just keep rolling. <laughs> Me and my two paragraphs. Um, but yeah, despite how much was actually cut out from this chapter, the two did come to the same conclusion that Fluffy must be guarding the Sorcerer's Stone. Mm-hmm. Though I would say the book took it a step further and also specifically had the trio concluding that Snape is after the stone and that it's safe as long as Quirrell stands up to him. <laughs> oh, how wrong they were. Spoilers! Okay, just keep rolling. We also saved this part of the deleted scene for last because it genuinely played no part in furthering the story, but we did want to mention how fantastically Seamus's defense about his eyebrows growing completely back while having a big-ass bald spot on the back <laughs> of his head played perfectly into his whole blowing shit up I bit. I know! Why <laughs> did they delete this? <sighs> because it would have made too much sense. Heaven forbid. Can't have that. <sighs> But this pretty much sums up our compare and contrast section of this episode. Wasn't as much to talk about since it was no, a paragraph of the right? movie. But at least the deleted scene was there to give us a little bit more to touch base with. And well, considering is... that basically nothing happened in the movie, we also don't have any new characters to talk about for this scene. Right. And this is, I, I feel the need to point out the fact that this is the first time this has happened with us. But it certainly won't be the last. Oh, no. I have a feeling it's going to get worse. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure there are going to be some episodes where I'm, I'm just, you're just talking to yourself, like, really. Here's my sentence. Yeah. And my sentence is simply, this didn't happen. <laughs> exactly. Most, in some cases, it's going to be, this happened instead. And we're just going to be like, what? Like, yeah. Why would you have done that? I would... In a lot of those cases, I would much rather just not say anything. But, um, but that's not how we do things we're here. We're not going to lie to the keepers. Right? We bring them the truth. What's, we're all about the truth. We're all about the veritas over here. And just keep rolling. <laughs> but that being said, since we don't have anyone yeah. new to introduce, we don't have... I don't think we have anybody new for the rest of the... Um. Yeah, the no, movie, I don't do think we? we do. So I think we've met all the people we are to... Well, no. We'll have Voldemort, technically. Yeah. Is that a person or is that just CGI? I mean, there's a dude who played him. That's a guy's voice. I guess we'll talk he's, about his he's voice. He's credited. Yeah, we'll talk about his voice. So We talked about the sorting hat. I feel like we should really talk about Voldemort. <laughs> so anyway. we'll talk about that when that time comes. We'll get that. Well, yeah. And right now we're just going to move right on into our Potter pondering. I mean, with this week we didn't have a whole lot to really talk about we didn't have no, much when, to ponder when they cut out two-thirds of the chapter right exactly so you want to just go ahead and stick with uh, nicholas flamel and his whole year of the demon nearing the age six 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 that just i mean i just wonder if it's if it is actually considered a bad thing or in the wizard world yeah. i mean i know they they do divination i don't they do they do runes they must do numerology in some capacity yeah so if any of you guys have any ideas or actual insight or education into the history of that number and uh, yeah numerology and other random oh yeah we don't really want to get into like a big theological discussion we can get into a little one sure but like if you guys know anything by all means share it with us Mm -hmm. we'll actually probably do our own bit of research on this one as well Um, yeah because I it's I find that a very good question, very interesting. But if anybody out there listening already knows some stuff, mm-hmm. then by all means educate us. Like I'm not gonna lie, I, I almost feel like 
It's such a weird number for... Of all of the ages that she could have picked. That she could have thrown in. It's such an odd number to throw in. It is I almost, literally an odd number. It Well, look at you. You did a thing. Um, but I almost, like, wonder... It feels like it should come into play later, and then it doesn't. You it know doesn't. what I mean? It it Yeah, interesting. So, so yeah, just, let us know what you guys think about Nicholas Flamel's age. Mm-hmm. And if that would be considered... A bad thing in the wizard world are not the number 666. Okay. And also, if you guys have any questions for us, by all means, please post them on our Facebook page so we can talk a little bit more about this episode since we didn't have a ton of ponders. We really didn't, no. Well, that'll just bring us right into our sorting hat story this week. And we're going to be telling you about Tabitha Dial who you heard a little bit about like two episodes ago, something like that. Give or take. Yeah, she's one of our patrons. Um, she does divination and she does uh, tarot, tarot and tarot. TV readings. Yeah. And cheese astrology. Oh, that's right. That's right. I love cheese astrology. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I love it. Because it has, has cheese. It has to do with cheese. I'm happy. <laughs> but yeah, Tabitha says, I didn't experience Harry Potter until a visit to a lifelong friend. She was in Germany at the time. She was an instructor at a school and snuck me in with her to their theater where she showed me the first movie on the big screen. A few minutes into experiencing Hagrid and I whispered, It's so good! Because it's so good! Right? I knew I'd changed forever. I've been sorted into Gryffindor via the Pottermore site. I feel it suits me because I can be pretty loud and I can crave the spotlight. My birth chart shows my north node is in Leo, the lion. Coincidence? I think not. (laughs) I love to joke and sing. That's big Leo energy. Your north node is what you're meant to aspire to embody for your higher purpose and for everyone's benefit. I'm so glad she threw that explanation in there for us. Right. I didn't know north node at all. And now I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. She says, the wand I most use is very simple. It's compact. It's called a palm wand, and it was made by my friend Thomas Fries here in Kentucky. The wood is pink ivory, which is said to have spiritual healing properties. That sounds awesome. Right? I use it for tea leaf readings. It's the easiest way to point to images in the cup. My Patronus is a calico cat. Another cat. She's very excited about it, too. (laughs) Again, I put my fate in the hands of Pottermore. I've loved cats most of my life, and they've lived on the fringes of my home the last few years. This fandom has opened a lot of doors for me. I started reading tea about a dozen years ago. I've admired cosplay for years, and Professor Trelawney has been perfect for me. I spent my second year teaching tea reading classes, doing private readings, and sharing my book, Creative Divination, Read Tea Leaves and Develop Your Personal Code, at the Ironton Wizard Fest, year two. It's an impressive weekend in Ironton, Ohio, one of the many opportunities to enjoy the wizarding world. I wish to reiterate the fandom adage that no one should have to live in a closet, and I support trans rights. It's one of the reasons we love you. One of many reasons. One of many, many reasons. Yes. I also have bipolar. I've lived nearly 10 years with my diagnosis. Most of it has been smooth. I'm lucky to have support, health care, and proper meds. Working on what I love and interacting with other Harry Potter fans are a couple of healthy mechanisms that instill hope and keep my brain from convincing me that I should be depressed. 
I look forward to everyone's stories. It's been so nice to share. It was also so nice of you to share, Tabitha. Yeah. Um, we love, to everybody, we love hearing your stories and getting to read them on here. And like, this is something that we really look forward to doing. Mm -hmm. So if you've been listening to us and you haven't sent us your story yet, please email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Yes. Please. We want we want your stories. We want to hear about you guys. You, I feel like you guys know all about us. Oh, yeah, you have to hear us talk all the time. Yeah. So we we want to hear, hear from you. Exactly. And that brings us to this week's trivia question, which is, according to Hagrid's outdated book, what should you feed a baby dragon? With bonus points, if you can also tell us how often you should feed said baby dragon. If you know the answer, head to our Facebook page at JKR Podcast and try to find the post before Quincy does. Or, you know, when he makes up his own post for it. <laughs> yeah, not that I'm not rooting for my fellow Gryffindors, but this competition is super exciting. Will this become week four for Quincy or is there a Slytherin out there who can take him? Or a Hufflepuff or a Ravenclaw. Yeah, fine. Comment under the post with the answer <laughs> and the code word hashtag Norbert. Whoa, wait, what? No, I don't want it to be a hashtag. Then it has to be one word. I know. But but this time it was actually one word. This time? Any, oh. <laughs> anywho, hashtag Norbert. <laughs> the prize for the first one who responds with the correct answer and the hashtag code word will get a bitch is a witch, motherfucker's a wizard, just keep rolling, or a pride sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us. If you are an Apple person, you can do that through the Apple Podcast or iTunes app. If you don't have Apple, you can write a recommendation on our Facebook page. Then email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com and let us know that you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at justkeeprolling. If you would like to support us as a patron for extra perks, you can go to patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. We actually just reached and slightly surpassed our first goal through Patreon. As a result, we will be producing a bonus podcast every month called Potterheads A History, where we will delve further into the fandom, have patron guest hosts, and cover a wider range of topics that relate to the wizarding world. We have already released our first episode of Potterheads A History at the end of December. It was our Christmas special with our patron and support badger, Carly Ferguson, as our guest host. The second episode will be coming out before the end of January, with today's featured Sorting Hat story, Tabitha Dial, as our guest. We will go into more detail exploring divination within the wizarding world, and we will finally get to find out just exactly what cheese divination is. So keep an eye out for that. The first few episodes will be available for everyone, but this will predominantly be a patron-only perk. When we reach our next goal, we are going to get our store up and running. We've been designing t-shirts, mugs, stickers, buttons, artwork, scarves, and have several other ideas on the horizon. You can see pictures of our designs and follow the progress through our social media and Patreon accounts. In addition to the normal perks available to patrons, each tier level has an extra perk available for the first five patrons who sign up. So check us out. And as always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. Join us next week when we talk about Chapter 14, Norbert the Norwegian Ridgeback, 
and the corresponding movie scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just keep rolling. rolling.